0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Hello! This is the Relunchables Podcast. I'm Jordan Holtzer. and each episode, we'll be breaking down another 90s, early 2000s kids movie. I am not alone. Each episode, I'll be having on special guests to help me relive my childhood. I want to start the podcast by saying thank you for the overwhelming support thus far to my listeners, especially on our new cover art. I know people really were attached to the last one. It was very simple, very just, uh, you know, very, it really just portrayed Disney, what I was trying to do. But I always wanted something more 90s, more nostalgic, kind of taking you right back to where you were when you were watching these films as a kid. So I think we really nailed it. So thank you for all the support and the encouragement on that. Later this week, we'll be joined by Charles Shaughnessy, who may be the biggest guest we've had on this podcast. He played the role of Dimitri the Vampire, and you may know him from The Nanny as the iconic Mr. Sheffield, Days of Our Lives, and Mad Men. Charles couldn't have been a nicer guest. Which makes him the perfect villain for this movie. As someone you have to hate, and yet you can't help but fall for his charm. So stay tuned for that interview. On this episode, we'll be covering the 2000 Disney Channel original movie, Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire. For this, I had to bring on the only person who loves garlic more than me, and that's Jake Levin. Who you may recognize from the very first episode we did on The Luck of the Irish. Man, that feels like a long time ago. So let's roll the trailer in that Disney Channel original movie, intro music.
0: The Hanson kids are dying to get their mom out on a date. She'll go out, then we'll go out. Why don't I feel better about this? But when they find out, Dimitri's a vampire. Good point. They'll be dying to get her out of it. I'm not going to let Dimitri turn mom into an onion. What? Disney Channel
1: presents I Have the
0: Power. Yeah, right.
1: Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire, a Disney Channel original movie starring Caroline Ray. Enough! Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire. Tomorrow at 8, 7 central on Disney Channel. And we're rolling. Thank you, Jake, for returning to the Relunchables podcast. Oh, happy
0: to be back.
1: <laughs> you really just came back on to get some redemption for the Apex Mountain bit, right?
0: Well, I've, I've heard you, you know, sully my good opinions on, on multiple <laughs> other episodes. So, so I had to, to come set the record straight.
1: <laughs> well, maybe you could get back at me at this one. Uh, for my listeners who don't know, I bring on a new guest each episode to recap their choice of Disney Channel original movies this really wasn't your choice it was more of my choice and forcing you to do it but had you seen mom's got a day with a vampire as a kid
0: you know I'm, I'm pretty sure I have not um at least I don't remember it at all I had no idea what was coming when I was uh re-watching it just now but uh you know you you asked me to to help you out so so I uh I said okay I appreciate
1: it, and you know what? I'd give anything to go back and watch this movie with fresh eyes, you know, for the first time. You know, it's not the same rewatching it over and over again like I, uh, like I happen to do, but uh, let's get right into it here. And you know, of course, Mom's Got David the Vampire as a runtime of an hour and 23 minutes. It's directed by our good friend, Steve Boyum, who my fans will know from Johnny Tsunami, stepsister from Planet Weird, Motocrossed, and it's written by Lindsay Nathans and Robert Keats, Both writers who I think never wrote anything again after this. So I don't know if that's a good sign for the movie or not. Uh, Mom's Got a Day with a Vampire is a 5.9 out of 10 on IMDb and a 51% from the audience on Rotten Tomatoes. And again, no reviews from the critics. It was released on Friday, October 13th, 2000. What a great Halloween movie, Friday the 13th. It went on a run of this, Phantom of the Megaplex, and The Ultimate Christmas Present, which may be our next episode, actually. So a nice little run there. And our new category, which is not so new because we've done it for like four weeks now, which is the random internet review of the week. And this is from the username Tyler V. And Tyler says, no fucking way. Mom's dating a fucking vampire. Shit's about to get real.
0: Well, I I think (laughs) Tyler, Tyler had it right. I mean, watching the movie, shit did get real. So uh, I I can't wait to dive into that uh, with you, but but I think Tyler was on the right track.
1: I didn't do the justice to the the quote here because he has real with, I think, 20 E's. So it's really just real, like it just really keeps going. So we'll hopefully do it justice to Tyler's review. So let's get right into the categories here. And how would you describe the plot of Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire?
0: All right, so this movie is about... Um, A young boy who gets uh, tickets to a concert he really wants to see. Uh, Unfortunately, he gets grounded uh, by his mom for for, uh, messing up in school. And to uh, be able to go to the concert while he's grounded, he has this idea of getting his mom uh, to go out on a date uh, with some guy, some random guy he finds. And uh, so he could go to the concert. Turns out that random date is actually a vampire what and now he's got to save his mom from the vampire that he set him up on a date on. And uh, as you can assume, hijinks ensue from there. And uh, and as Tyler says, shit got real.
1: <laughs> that was perfectly said. And I looked it up. This is the longest title out of any of the Disney Channel original movies. Mom's got a date with a vampire, seven words. Could they have come up with a shorter title? Maybe, maybe not, but it really does say what
0: the movie's about. I mean, it's, you gotta be clear for the kids. So uh, this, uh, it, it doesn't get much more clear than this.
1: So let's get right into the most rewatchable scenes. And I wanna start, it has a very similar opening to the movie Under Wraps, which we just covered. I don't know if you got a chance to watch that one. But the opening scene here is, you don't really know what we're getting into because it starts with a TV movie, it seems like, but we don't really know that. We just go right into it. We're seeing this intricate display between a vampire taking some woman hostage, and I guess maybe her husband, her boyfriend trying to save her, and true love is the ultimate way to break the trance. And then we hear just a phone ringing in the background. We're not really sure where that's coming from. Is it coming from, you know, the movie? And then, of course, it cuts out, and we see the kids watching it on TV, very similar to Under Wraps, how we're seeing a movie in the movie theater. It pans out, and then we say, oh, okay, this is not part of the movie yet. Did that trick you a little bit, having seen it for the first time?
0: You know, it absolutely tricked me. And uh, and I, I was actually relieved because I'm watching this first scene, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is horrible. How am I gonna make it through the next, it's only like 80 something minutes long, but but I was totally freaked out. I was like, uh, what did I get myself into? Jordan screwed me on this one. But, but then it cut to the kids and I was like, okay, maybe maybe I'm not as doomed as I thought I was.
1: Yeah, that's a pretty rough opening. If you get a chance to see Under Wraps, that opening is just hysterical. I would encourage all my listeners to go back and rewatch Under Wraps because that one's actually like, I hope this is the movie as opposed to what we ultimately get. This is the exact opposite. Uh, I want to move on to now where the both kids, Chelsea and Adam, are now grounded and they're coming up with a plot to kind of get their mom out of the house. So like you mentioned, Adam can go see the Headless Horseman concert backstage pass that he got from his boy Duffy. And... He's trying to search for a date for his mom, which I guess you could find in newspapers. We'll get to this, but it just seems super strange. I I guess this was dating before like mainstream internet and dating sites and Tinder. And he just comes across a review in the paper. And I want to read the full review here. It says, continental gentleman, handsome, debonair, suave, enjoys long strolls beneath a full moon, loves adventure, travel, wild animals, and women just looking for romantic nights that will never end looking for a delicate flower just looking to blossom hates italian food and turtlenecks i'm curious if you saw this review would it entice i know you know maybe dimitri's not your type per se but if somebody was described this way would it entice maybe somebody like lynette to want to go out with them
0: i don't know the other personal ads he he or adam didn't read uh many very many but uh but This one definitely—I don't know. So I don't know how it stacked up to the others, but but this one was very <laughs> odd to me. Um, first of all, it was way too long. Who, yeah. Who's reading through all those things? You, you got to catch someone's attention and just kind of roll with it. I think Tinder really uh, really shortened those <laughs> descriptions down, but but no, this this was a very weird description, and and I don't know why Adam thought this was the guy for for his mom. I would have
1: to agree. You know, we get it hates Italian food. Okay, the garlic, the turtlenecks. You know, needs access to be able to bite your neck. Doesn't want people wearing any turtlenecks to get in his way. The wild animals. I don't really understand. Is there something with vampires and wild animals that I don't really you know connect with?
0: Um, So I had a couple things that that I think we'll get to later about knowledge of vampires that I may or may not have uh, learning throughout this movie, but. But there actually is a, uh, a a bit of half-assed internet research that, that I want to get to, to to kind of cover some of this animal stuff. Got it. And I love his
1: email, which is just wolfsbane at netherlink.ro. Netherlink? Was this a thing? I don't remember netherlink. I know we'll get to this maybe later, but it just seems like a weird email address.
0: Yeah, I've never heard of that. I mean, .ro, I guess, is Romania. He said later that his last name is maybe Romanian. But, but yeah, I... First of all, anyone using computers—I guess it was still early in the internet age—but you should know: don't don't mess with weird-sounding email addresses, weird links. That that's all a no-go, and and that should have been uh, an immediate red flag to Adam.
1: Oh yeah, and I did try emailing this email address last <laughs> night. It immediately bounced back. So any of my listeners trying to contact Dimitri this way, just know that doesn't work. And the final point of this scene is it cuts to Dimitri's house. We just see a coffin, you know, a lit fireplace. And then we hear, you've got mail. And we just see like a creepy hand reach from the coffin and just open the email. I just thought that was a really cool scene, kind of bridging the gap between, you know, old school vampires in the 20th century.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it was an interesting, uh, interesting comparison. But I mean, it's a little bit of a nitpick getting early, but no way that little you've got mail woke him up from some slumber inside his coffin i mean that thing isn't soundproof at all it it was not very loud and he just sprung up and he was like all right time to go
1: uh the next scene i had is the dancing scene where they go to the club just lynette and dimitri and the kids you know somehow sneak into this bar and i love the part where adam goes up to some guy some random dude just chilling by himself and he's like you know, those girls over there, they said you don't know how to dance. And he's like, what? Who, me? I know how to dance. And Adam somehow is like, well, there's some random stranger over there that's his mom. Why don't you go up to her and ask her to dance? And of course, he stumbles over there and Dimitri is like, no, you don't. You want to go home. And this is where I get confused by Dimitri's powers because it seems like it would just be some mind control where he would be like, Yes, I want to go home. But instead, his feet just shuffle like he's using some telekinetic power to just move his feet. It's just, I have a lot to say about this. Also, the rockabilly music. I didn't know this was a genre between rock and hillbilly. Did you know that was a genre?
0: I've never heard of it before. It it sounded like, (laughs) I don't know, 1950s rock, like (laughs) something they were covering in one of the Back to the Future movies, you know, something uh, from back then. I had no idea what, what was going on. <laughs>
1: uh, I love the look on Dimitri's face, though. Every time he gets spun by Lynette, he just like, has a look like, I don't want to be here. That's, it really reminds me of myself whenever I go dancing. It's just, <laughs> I don't want to be here. You know, I'm just putting on a show here. Uh, I do love, he asks Lynette to dance, that random stranger, and she's just ready to abandon Dimitri. She's like, oh yeah, this guy asked me to dance. You know, I should go dance with him. What's wrong with her? If you bring somebody on a date, you should at least honor that. Not just go off with some random
0: dude that comes up to you to dance. I, I think what you might be overlooking is the uh, the rockabilly culture is very inclusive. They're <laughs> they're they're willing to share dance partners, mix it up. You know, he seemed like a nice guy. He he kind of seemed I don't know built more like a linebacker than a dancer. But but she just wanted to have a good time, spread the love.
1: And the last thing, I was going to ask you to sing the song, Maybe, which Lynette sings by Cowgirl Blues. I tried Spotify, you know, tried Shazamming the song, didn't really come up with anything, but it did sound like a real song to me.
0: It did. And it wasn't bad, but but no, I'm not going to sing it for you.
1: <laughs> maybe, maybe at the end, maybe at the end. Uh, and I, the final scene, which is, of course, iconic. I love when <laughs> they somehow are able to you know they're struggling to lift the coffin, and yet they're able to push it out the window and push it all the way to the lake. And then Adam's just chilling on the coffin on the lake, and just I think Dimitri and Charles Shaughnessy's humor throughout the entire movie is just great because he has all this power, but yet he's keeping it in the you know the real world here. And Chelsea somehow gets a call from her boyfriend, who she's been getting calls from the entire movie, and he just takes it. and He's like, "Give me that!" and just throws it in the lake. Uh, I love the choreography where Lynette gets out of the trance somehow by her kids just screaming, mom, 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 I love you, whatever. And Dimitri gets pushed by Lynette and somehow Van Helsing and Taylor both just magically know to open the coffin. So when Lynette pushes him, he goes right into the coffin, they slam it down. And even though Dimitri could somehow rip bikes apart, he can't push a few kids off his coffin. I know I'm stepping a lot on some nitpicks here. And also just the final scene where we get the nail gun to the coffin. That nail gun came out of nowhere. Where was that nail gun? It was huge. It looked like it weighed a ton. Was that in his trench coat? I don't know. But I do love that final scene where they ultimately defeat Dimitri.
0: You basically just read through half <laughs> of my nitpicks and unanswerable questions. But uh, but one thing I will say that, that uh was not unanswerable, that nail gun. Um Van Helsing came in with a pretty big bag of, of goodies. He he came prepared, I think. Uh, he just had, you know, the nail gun was one of his goodies. So, so that was the one thing in everything you just described that, uh, that did not surprise me.
1: Okay. Uh, did you have any others or would you like to crown a winner here?
0: No, I, I did have a couple others. I, I did. One of the ones was um, uh, when they're meeting, uh, going to meet Dimitri at the grocery store. I thought it was a great little bait and switch. You know, you're, you're kind of the camera keeps going to Van Helsing, looks just like kind of A creepy dude in a trench coat Uh, you think he might be the vampire and then and then all of a sudden this charming British guy comes out of nowhere uh, even though he says he's Romanian I guess (laughs) with an English accent but um but I thought that was a good scene the the whole bait and switch with the audience Um, and then my last one was um, when Dimitri was in the restaurant uh, on the date and uh, to prove to to young Taylor that he wasn't a vampire, they came up with the whole <laughs> vampire and a spoon on the nose thing, and and he was just kind of you know nudging Adam with a little wink, wink, just get your little brother out of here. So uh, so I thought that was fun.
1: No, I'm glad you brought up both those scenes. And uh, with the first one, you're right at the supermarket. You do think Van Helsing is the vampire. Rewatching, you see this creepy guy in a trench coat. You're like, oh my god, this is the vampire. He's you know searching for you know, Lynette and trying to seek her out. But then you're like, oh, wait, who's this guy? He seems so nice, seems so polite. And then, of course, you know, he talks about his job, I guess, in the, as a doctor working the night shift. So it just, mm-hmm. I guess it, he comes up with some sort of uh, story there to explain why he's, you know, sleeping all day and he's out during the night. And uh, the last scene that you mentioned, which is the one with at the restaurant and that spoon test, I was... I guess we'll get to this. I'll, I'll leave that one alone for now. And then, of course, this is where we see Adam finally realize he's a vampire. He sees that he doesn't have a reflection in the mirror and he's like, oh, my God. And instead of just telling Lynette, hey, there's a mirror right there. And uh, you can clearly see he's not reflected back. he's just like, you know what, I'll go home and we'll regroup. Uh, I'm curious which one of these scenes is your favorite. I'm going to go with the dancing scene at the club, but uh, which which did it for you?
0: Honestly, I, I kind of like the grocery store scene. I, I thought uh, that was one of the the better well-made scenes of the movie with, with that kind of suspense. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is him, this is him. And then you realize, oh wait, it's the other guy. And and that scene ends with um, Taylor seeing uh, Dimitri walk out of the grocery store, drop his bags of groceries, turn into a <laughs> bat and fly away. And you're like, oh my gosh, that that's the vampire.
1: Uh, let's move on to what is age the best. And I want to start with... Uh, saying the lines of a film or TV show in unison with the characters in the show. We see that very early on, and it was something that I love doing to this day when I've seen something so many times and I'm just reciting the lines with the characters. I know people around me hate it, whether it be my girlfriend or my sister or my parents. They're just like, enough, I haven't seen this yet. Why are you just reciting the lines from the movie? But it's something that I think is aged the best in 2020.
0: It's so funny you mention all that because I did this last night I was rewatching some uh, How I Met Your Mother on TV, and uh, and I'm just reciting the lines <laughs> along with the characters. I, I might do it like a couple seconds before, which is kind of annoying because I'll say the line and then they'll say <laughs> the line. I know what's about to come, but uh, but yeah, I mean that. I feel like when you've seen something so many times, you can't help but but chime in.
1: Yeah, and that's a good point, because sometimes you want to say it before so the other person knows that you know what's coming. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you got to prove yourself. You, you got to prove that that you know what you're talking about.
1: The next one I had is just uh, watching scary movies when you weren't supposed to. You know, as someone as a young kid who whose father really loved horror movies, my dad made it a point to sit me down at like five, six years old and show me a ton of horror films, which really scarred me to this day. I can't, even now, I can't see the screen mask and not be freaked out, even though Scream has be kind of become like a com- comedy horror in a sense, but just uh, always watching movies at that young age that you weren't supposed to.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly was was never into horror movies. But but even as a younger kid, you know, into when you get into like that thriller genre, when it's not quite horror, you can kind of take it. But as a kid, you might be kind of watching the movies with that, uh, you know, through your hands over your eyes a little bit. But but I guess Adam, you know, he, he loved that stuff and, and he didn't care if his brother was scared or not. So he, uh, he let him join in when, when clearly Taylor was uh, way too young for that.
1: <laughs> this one is probably my favorite. And I'm so glad you're the guest for this one because you can <laughs> definitely relate. And this is the level of bullshitting that Adam does when he has to go up in front of the class and read his essay. And he literally just reads an article and passes it off as his own work. Now I'm gonna go into a deep dive story here from our time at Indiana University. I hope the statute of limitations is up on this and they don't revoke me from the bar of California for this one. But Jake and myself and Jake's girlfriend took a class at Indiana University. We, we always sought the, I guess not the easiest classes. Yeah, they were probably the easiest classes. The easiest classes to get an
0: A in, right? I believe when we were signing up for classes, you texted me and said let's do this class i heard it's an automatic a
1: (laughs) (laughs) it reminds me like the scene from like community where they're always just looking for the class that gives the easiest grade but anyway so we take international communication for my listeners i don't even know what that means i don't know what that means i still don't we really didn't know what the class entailed we just knew it was an easy a and walking in on the first day we knew it was going to be easy because we saw half of the indiana men's basketball team in the classroom So we knew it was a good guess. Our teacher was a very kind of hippie individual, also dabbled in, she was a psychic. She was reading people's palms. She was doing tarot card readings for students after class. And the main capstone of the course was a semester long, it was a part paper and part presentation where you had to basically get to know somebody of a different culture, different ethnicity. Just get to know somebody and present on that person, somebody different from yourself. And for me, I chose the rabbi of the school, Rabbi Sue, who was the rabbi at the local Hillel on campus, who was also the stepmom of our good friend, Benji, who came on for the Smart House episode. And so I spent the whole semester preparing this paper. It was a very lengthy paper, maybe like 20 pages or so. And of course, like a 10 to 15 minute presentation. So on the final day of class or the final week of class, when we're all giving our final presentations, I'm about to go up and give mine. And I turn over to Jake and his girlfriend and I say, I'm about to BS the entire thing. I did not talk to Rabbi Sue once throughout this entire semester. I have no knowledge. This entire presentation and paper is completely made up. What was your reaction from when
0: I told you that? Oh man, I mean, you know my reaction because <laughs> as you were up there giving your presentation to the class, not a huge class, but maybe like, I don't know, 20, 30 kids in there, but in front of the professor, you're giving your presentation that I know is all fake. You completely made this up. <laughs> so I'm in the back and back, you know, is in quotes because there's only three rows of students, but I'm, I'm trying my hardest to hold back an outrageous amount of laughter. I'm, I'm just dying up there because I'm hearing what you're saying you're sounding so confident. You know exactly what you want to say. This is all fictitious. And, and you're passing it off as it's true. And, and everyone's just like, oh yeah, this is, this is a true story. That he definitely interviewed this person. He knows what he's talking about. And I'm just dying on the inside. Not even on the inside. I, I was laughing out loud a little bit, trying to hold it back. You later told me, like, I can't believe you were laughing so much. I thought, you know, I was going to get caught. The professor definitely knew. And. Uh, it, it was ridiculous.
1: <laughs> yeah, I definitely have vivid memories of me giving this presentation and looking at you and your girlfriend in the back, just trying to <laughs> hold back your laughter. And it was almost making me laugh as I was trying to get this serious presentation. And of course, the professor is just like locking eyes with me. She's, you know, hanging on every word of it. And ultimately, I get an A on the presentation, an A on the paper. And then she asks me if she could keep the paper to put it in the archives. I don't even know what that means. And I had to make up some like bullshit excuse, like, you know, Rabbi Sue really, you know, admires her, you know, confidentiality, her anonymity. She really does not want to be part of the archives, whatever that means. And, you know, this is what now, six, seven years since that class. So I'm hoping the statute of limitations is up, hoping nobody's, you know, nobody's really listening to this podcast anyway, right? No one's going to bust me.
0: Yeah, you have no listeners. I I think it's just <laughs> just me, you and your dad who who download and listen. <laughs>
1: We'll move on because that was like a 10 minute rant there, but I think it was important to get in because as soon as I saw Adam giving that presentation, it brought me right back to international communication.
0: Well, I had the exact same memory pop into my head. <laughs> I, I knew exactly where you were going to go. I said, oh my gosh, that's, that's a young Jordan.
1: <laughs> uh, the next one I want to talk about is calling your parents by their first name when you're mad at them. And I love when Adam just calls his mom Lynette. And I, I can't say I've ever used this before. My sister has multiple times. And I'm curious if you could relate to this one at all.
0: No, I, I never um called my parents by their first names. Um, I didn't really get mad at them too much. I mean, you know, some things here and there, I guess, but but it was definitely big, you know, seeing it on in TV and, and movies of the time. So so it definitely checked out.
1: Sure. And I love when uh, you know, any movie they say the title in the movie. And Taylor says, Uh, mom's got a date with a vampire. And I just, uh, every time I hear it, I just love that. Uh, What else do I have? The Headless Horseman. I just think that's a really cool name for a band. I love the t-shirt logo with the Headless Horseman. I love when they open Adam's Closet and he has like 12 t-shirts all in different (laughs) colors of the same shirt. Did you ever have that with the shirt growing up?
0: No, I I didn't. Not of the same exact shirt at least, (laughs) but But that was that was one of my my things to bring up later, like really the same exact shirt, just in different colors. Like they didn't have different logos or different styles. He he was just like, this is the shirt. I'm only gonna wear this shirt for the rest of my middle school (laughs) and high school career. I'm covered.
1: Uh, the last one I had, which is another favorite of mine, it brings me back to a story from college, is Taylor trying to sneak cookies into his mom's shopping cart. And I probably did this a lot as a kid, but I used to do it in college with our friend Mop, or maybe not friend of ours, I don't know. But uh, he came on for the Full Court Miracle episode. And when we used to do grocery shopping at the local Kroger at Indiana University, I used to play a little game where I used to try to sneak in a dog bone into his shopping cart and see if he'd ultimately pay for it. So I would sneak it in, hide it under a few things. And once we got to the checkout cart, I used to try to get his attention as they're you know, coming through and scanning each item. So one time I really got him, we come home, he's unwrapping, you know, all, taking all of his stuff out of the bags. He's like, what the fuck is this? And he knew it was me immediately. He's like, you're paying for this, you're paying for this, you owe me. And of course I never paid for it, but it really brought me back to that classic moment of sneaking food into your friend's shopping cart.
0: Wow, I, I actually never heard that story before. But uh, it sounds exactly like something you would do, so I totally believe it. And uh, and yeah, I mean, back to back to the actual movie. I mean, that, that was a classic move, you know, with your parents. They're kind of not looking. You put a little, some cookies, some, some candy bars, something, just kind of sneak it in. I feel like I do that with my girlfriend even now. Sometimes she's looking the other way. I'll just kind of put like some brownie mix and just be like, I don't know. I, I guess we're making brownies this weekend.
1: Did he have any others for what his age? The best.
0: Yeah, I mean, just the the classic like sibling rivalry between uh, Adam and and Chelsea. I think they're always going at each other early on. They eventually have to uh, you know team up and work together to to help their mom. But that was always a classic trope. I I know you have a sister. I have a younger sister. I mean, we definitely butt heads plenty when we're growing up, especially when it involved what's going on the TV. You oh, know, yeah. so so that was a good one. I hope you never pimped out your sister though, like Adam did. I did not. I did not do that. That that was a low blow. Um, But but no, I feel like I was better than Adam on that one. Um, And and the other one I had was pretending to be working on your homework when your parent (laughs) walks in. You know, Adam, I don't know, he was on the computer or something. Just and then here's a knock knock, and it's like, oh, I'm I'm just doing my homework. Just preparing (laughs) for my speech tomorrow. You know that I totally did, and and that was a classic move. I think we see that in so many
1: movies, even in Full Court Miracle, there's a classic scene where uh, Alex Linz is holding a book upside down. He's pretending to read and His mom's like, uh, just let you know that book's upside down. You know, so I think we see that in a lot of these films.
0: Because it happens. I mean, we, we've all been there. We No one, you know, at that age wants to do their homework and you always find ways to get out of it. Uh, but then you get caught. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Uh, so let's move on to what is age the worst. And I want to start with there's just a few scenes that really dated to the 90s. We get a cutaway of Chelsea's room and the Beanie Babies in her room. I had a large collection of Beanie Babies. I don't even know what I did with them, to be honest, but my dad was an avid collector for some reason. I used to be like, why are you bringing these home every day? But he, was, he really thought that this was going to be like a gold
0: mine one day, and uh, <laughs> it really wasn't. Did, did you keep the tags and that little protector thing to, to make sure they were mint?
1: Of course, he had uh, like plastic cases for the individual bears for some of them wow. that really valued. It was way too much. Uh, I'm glad he stopped doing that. And I think we ended up like donating most of them. But uh, did you collect Beanie Babies?
0: Of course, we we were kids of that time. They they were huge. And and I remember um, it, it, it was a big deal to me. There was one that, that was a, a mallard duck. Um, you know, those little ducks with the green heads and uh, and each Beanie Baby had a name and that name was Jake. So, I remember that so one. Being my name, that, that was like my most favorite <laughs> Beanie Baby because we shared the same name.
1: That's a great story. Uh, what about the clear landline phone that you could see through? I definitely had this phone. I knew a lot of people who had it where you could see like the intra workings of the phone, all the different, you know, bells and whistles of the inside of it. It was such a cool 90s thing to be able to see right through it.
0: Yeah, I don't know why. It was cool to see the little mechanics. Like yeah. it's kind of weird if you think about it, but but yeah, that was definitely a thing of its time.
1: <laughs> what about was Matt the OG catfish here? You know, catfishing I still don't think his aged well. You know, he sets up this whole date for his mom. You know, he's pretending, you know, basically to be his mom and writing to Dimitri. And, you know, I don't know if anyone's seen the show Catfish at MTV. And this is something that I never really I don't know. There's a lot to say about this one. It's a really creepy area, and uh, it just seems like this still does not age well. But maybe it has aged well because it's still being done today.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that's a, a, an unfortunate point. But, um but yeah, he he was – and I was going to say, I, I thought it was a bit of a catfish on the part of Dimitri also, but I don't think he actually lied in his profile. He was just kind of vague kind of danced around the fact that, uh, you know, he was a vampire, (laughs) but, but Adam was, was definitely, you know, pretending to, to, or he wasn't really pretending to be his mom. He said, um, would Dimitri come to the grocery store? Don't mention that we did this. Um, it, It was all sorts of weird. Adam was, was very sketchy.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know why I would, you know, just take some random kid's word for it and just show up to some random, random grocery store hoping to meet his mom. It just seems super weird. Uh, what about the website for Malachi Van Helsing and just seeing it load just on the screen very slowly until you could perfectly see the images? It really brought me back. You know, we, we're so accustomed to just loading up websites in one second, everything's good, but I don't, I don't miss that time in the '90s.
0: Yeah, the the old computers and and old internet was. Uh was quite a, a sight to see in this movie. Definitely don't miss that with, with the, the weird, the poor graphics on very basic websites and it just taking forever to to load one page. <laughs> Awful.
1: These kids, they don't know how good they have it. Same with the CGI of the morphing into the bat. It is really bad. Like it is like, t- you can totally tell it's definitely computer generated. It's slowly, it doesn't even go from like, if you watch like most vampire shows, even what we do in the shadows, they immediately turn from human to bat in an instant. This is like some creepy thing where you see the whole body morph slowly down into a bat. It's really disgusting.
0: Yeah, it, it, like, if I remember correctly, it, it kind of starts with like, as a like a person-sized bat yeah. creature thing and then gets smaller, but you kind of see it. and And when I saw it in that first scene, I was like, what is, like, is he a giant bat? Like, what's going <laughs> on? And and it was just very, uh, very poor graphics.
1: It took me back to that show. It was a book first, Animorphs, where these kids would turn into animals. Mm, it really yeah, brought yeah. me back to that one. And the last one I had, which we talked about, which is just pimping out your sister. This is really aged poorly, especially guaranteeing a kiss on
0: the lips. Who would do this? I definitely have that as well as an age the worst. I mean, it was a poor move by Adam. I, I guess you could say he was young and naive and, and it's just kind of, you're kind of, you know, focused on yourself at that point. He was like 12 or 13 and, but, but it was a poor move. You, you don't do that to, to anyone, but, but especially family.
1: Oh yeah. Did you have any other for what is age the worst?
0: Um, The, the only other one you, you mentioned before, but the uh, personal ads in newspapers like that, that first of all, I don't even know if kids, know what newspapers are anymore, but but the fact that there are personal ads and that's, you know, how people would, would sometimes meet up, like before uh, dating websites, before Tinder, before all that, um, it was through newspapers, which is really weird to, to see.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Especially just putting like a random phone number or email address in a public paper like that, where anyone could contact you. You don't know what their motivations are. It just seems like a super creepy process. That's where I'm kind of, as much as people hate, you know, online dating and these social apps, but it's probably better than what we had in some instances, right? I know people are not meeting at bars necessarily anymore, but that's a really creepy way to do it.
0: Yeah, I think it was in that kind of in-between moment of, you know, it was not meeting at bars, but it wasn't yet, you know, confidential. So it was just kind of that in-between weird gray area where, yeah, you just put your information for whoever is reading the newspaper to see.
1: Definitely weird. Uh, Let's move on to which actor or actress would you have thought would have made it big? And I'm going to give you three options here. We have Matt O'Leary as Adam Hanson. It's basically all three kids. Laura Vandervoort as Chelsea Hansen, and then Miles Jeffrey as Taylor Hanson. So which one of these three would you have thought would have had a long acting career having seen the movie?
0: I mean, I, I was most most impressed by Matt O'Leary, uh, the lead of the movie, playing Adam. Um, I thought he was actually pretty good. He was very charismatic. He, he kind of played that... Um, you know, too smart for his own good, thirteen-year-old, um, and I thought he was he was really good. Laura VanderVoot, who played his sister Chelsea, uh, her performance was kind of kind of stiff, kind of um, you know one note a bit. Um, and and Taylor was just so young. I mean, yeah. he he did a fine job, but but he didn't really have much uh, much to work with. So so I actually was was pretty impressed by Matt. I would
1: completely agree. I think Matt O'Leary gave the best performance of the movie especially his charisma, like his level of just cockiness and just having all things under his control. And it kind of just leaps off the screen. During that, as we mentioned, just giving that presentation at school, how he interacts with his parents. He always seems too cool for school. He always seems like he was kind of an adult in a kid's body. And I just love how he just takes that persona on and he's just like, I'm gonna figure anything out. I know everything. And I'm just gonna to talk to you like we're adults. And he talks to Dimitri like that. He talks to Van Helsing like that. Um, yeah, I would, I would completely agree. Matt O'Leary kind of stole the show for me. Let's move on to what was the most Disney moment? And this is a tough one, I think, just because it's hard to see what the real lesson you're supposed to learn from Mom's Got Date with a Vampire, besides just don't fall in love with a vampire. And don't take, <laughs> you know, random, don't look at random internet postings and, you know, go online for creepy guys. Even the Van Helsing thing with Taylor, that's just a super creepy thing, just, you know, searching for strangers like that and inviting them into your home. Besides all of that, What are we supposed to take away from this movie?
0: I mean, one of the lines I I wrote down was uh, just a little note to myself. Don't email random dudes on the (laughs) internet to date your mom. Uh, I guess Disney was trying to warn kids about that. Um, But seriously, I mean, there was a quote that I think I guess was trying to be a message. Um, I think Chelsea said this. She said, if you don't respect the things that matter, it could all fall apart. So I think she was saying this in kind of um, reference to their family unit, you know, to to really be respectful of each other. You know, don't pimp at your mom. Don't pimp at your sister. You got to stick together, work together. Um, So I guess that could have been a message that Disney was working with. Um, And the other thing that I actually probably would not have noticed as a kid, but but did uh, pick up on now was the mom. um, After she sings at that club, she comes out and she's like, Hey, I, I like found someone who who's like an old friend and and it's myself. And she really yeah. learned to love herself again. She's kind of down. She went through a divorce. She's a single mom um, and she really um, kind of rediscovered, you know, having fun. And, and I think that was an interesting message from the parents point of view. I think those are both two good lessons. And we see in a lot of
1: these films, you know, whether like Smart House and one of the parents is has passed away or in Under Wraps where one of the parents is kind of a deadbeat and not there for his kid. And then here where we just see a simple divorce, we never see the dad in the movie. And I think this is an ability for any kid growing up to kind of see their situation reflected back on the screen, whether you have both parents, single parent, whatever it may be. And I think this is another good divorce movie this is kind of the opposite, though. In Most of these films, we see these kids who don't want their parents to get together with somebody else after, you know, their parents passed or they get divorced. And this is the opposite. The kids are really trying to set their parent up with somebody, trying to get them out of the house. So I thought it spun it on its head a little bit, but we usually see the
0: opposite. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they were, they were just worried about that one weekend, that one night, really, just getting to a concert <laughs> and getting to a date. And that's all they cared about for that moment.
1: Let's move on to the coolest parent award. Which parent would you have wanted growing up? We, of course, have Caroline Ray, who plays Lynette Hansen. And we'll throw in, I guess, Charles Shaughnessy as Dimitri. It's a stretch. You can throw in Van Helsing if you want. You know, there's not, we really only see Caroline Ray, but, uh, you know, which parent would you have wanted?
0: Between, uh, you know, the mom who, who cares about her kids yeah. and, and the vampire and the vampire hunter. Um, I mean, I would go with, with Caroline uh, yeah. Ray, who played uh, the mom, Lynette. I mean, she, she did care about her kids a lot. They, they kind of, you know, had their struggles here and there, but, but every family goes through that. And, and she really, um, you know, I think she was just doing her best and trying to live her life and, and raise her kids. And, and she seemed like a, a cool mom.
1: I would agree. We could come up with some sarcastic answer for Dimitri (laughs) or for Van Helsing, but I think you're right. I think Caroline Ray is just a super supportive parent that anyone would have wanted, trying to make it work on her own. Uh, So let's move on to some of these nitpicks here. And I want to start with, you know, isn't there a better way to get your mom out of the house for an evening? Like, you know, they set up this elaborate date, but couldn't they have just said something else? Couldn't they have done something else? Maybe this is an unanswerable question, but it just seemed like a weird nitpick that, you know, this is the only way. And how would they guarantee? that Dimitri would take her out the following night. Like, he may have said, like, how about next Friday? Like, they needed that night. There's got to be a better way to do this.
0: Yeah, um, I, I think it was really interesting. And and I guess this kind of fades into unanswerable questions a little bit, but how long were they expecting this date to last? Were they expecting yeah. the mom to go home with him, spend the night? Like, it's through a concert that Adam wanted to go to. It ended up, you know, them staying out all night. Like it was. I don't know, a weird situation there. And um and I don't know what he would have done if it wasn't a date. How else do you get your mom out of the house? Yeah,
1: that's a good point. You know, maybe. Yeah, that's a, that's actually a really good point. But you're right, like she could have just went on went for dinner and been home by, you know, 8:30, 9 o'clock, and the concert hadn't even started yet. So he was yeah. really hoping for her to really go all the way there. I guess so. <laughs> We talked about, you know, giving out your address to a stranger like Taylor does with Van Helsing. in that scene where Van Helsing comes over, you know, while Taylor and the babysitter are there, Tiffany. And Tiffany's totally okay with it. She's just like, oh, yeah, random creepy guy. Welcome in. You know, hang out with this eight-year-old boy.
0: I wrote down, the babysitter is way too chill about some random (laughs) dude hanging out with an eight-year-old when she's babysitting. Yeah. That was super weird. He, and and Van Housing was like polite. Taylor opened the door and he's like, no, no, I better hang outside. And Taylor's just like, no, come in, come on, it's fine. And the babysitter's like, who are you? It's this kid's bedtime, but I'm on the phone, so I don't care. <laughs>
1: yeah. That was, I don't know what these Disney movies were trying to teach with that scene. Because I bet a lot of eight-year-olds were just like, oh yeah, we should just invite in random adult strangers into my house and uh, make friends with them.
0: Random adult strangers that he contacted just on the phone looked like looked up his uh phone number gave him gave out his address like everything this this kid had no idea what was going on
1: i have to fault van helsing there for asking for people's address in his voicemail who asked for
0: somebody's address i guess so but you know he's gotta he's gotta come over in case they know (laughs) something about a vampire
1: uh what about I thought Adam was grounded. So when he shows up to the restaurant with Dimitri and Lynette, and I know he's kind of like, you know, Taylor wanted to see you. He wanted to check if, you know, Dimitri's actually a vampire. But if I'm Caroline, I'd be like, what are you doing out? You're grounded. I'm coming home with you. And we're ending this right now. You've already, you know, broken the rules of your grounding.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. He he could have ruined everything right there. But um but yeah, I, th- I mean, if I were her, I just would be flustered. Like, why are why are my kids here? Like, I I don't know. Maybe she was shocked. She she forgot about the grounding in that moment, but but it, it was definitely an oversight. And then she just continued on with her date, trusted yeah. the kids to go home, even though they've snuck out. It was a weird situation.
1: That whole scene. I know we talked about this earlier, but so you know we can't see Dimitri's reflection in the mirror. This is how Adam knows that, of course, Dimitri is a vampire, but he chooses not to expose him right. There. It just seemed like a weird thing. You have everyone in the restaurant. You have your mom sitting across. They could easily see this mirror, which is just so happened to be directly across from Dimitri. Just seemed like a weird point not to be like, hey, this is something really strange. Even if he's not a vampire, this is weird.
0: Yeah. And then just just past that scene, um, when Adam sees his reflection, he goes outside, he sends Taylor home. And then um, first of all, he just sends his eight-year-old brother to ride his bike home alone again weird but moving past that he turns to his sister and says mom's on a date with a vampire and uh and his sister's just like okay i guess we gotta help <laughs> like she doesn't blow him off like he's crazy now i feel like no way chelsea would have been like all right i gotta cancel my date now because my brother is crazy yeah
1: and i'm gonna keep with this restaurant scene because there's a lot of nitpicks <laughs> here uh you know of course you mentioned that dimitri brings up this Random spoon test, which is not a real thing. Just trying to, I guess, ease Taylor's nerves. You know, Adam, who's such an expert on vampires, why doesn't he be like, let's get some garlic from the back of the kitchen and let's do a real test? Like he has an opportunity to really expose Dimitri there. You know, is he just doing this to play along and did he just get caught up? Dimitri says, "Let's do the spoon test." He winks his, you know, he gives him a wink and he's like, "Okay, I guess we'll do that."
0: I think in that moment, Adam was just so focused on get Taylor out of here, keep the mom on the date, so I can go to the concert. He wasn't thinking anything besides that.
1: I guess you're right. But for me, like an average person who's not really into vampires, that would have been fine for me. But Adam is like the expert. Like you literally have someone who just like lives, breathes, sleeps vampires. You
0: would think like, you know what? Let's actually, uh, you know, see what he's made of here. I mean, for a long time, our, our good friend Benji wouldn't go near garlic. <laughs> Did you ever assume he was a vampire? <laughs> that,
1: that's a good point. You're right. You're right. But you know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give you that one. <laughs> uh, what about, I know we talked about this, so Adam and Chelsea could barely lift that coffin in the beginning when we first see that scene, and yet they're able to throw it out the window, you know, throw it down the steps into the lake. Where did that strength come from?
0: Not only are they able to do that, fine. You can barely lift it. They lifted a little bit. The window wasn't that far, fine. You can kind of just, uh, suspend disbelief. But A, the coffin doesn't break being thrown out a window. And B... They bring the coffin back up the stairs yeah. at the end of that scene, so they magically got stronger. I, I don't know what happened there.
1: <laughs> There's a lot there. and I didn't realize this is just, I guess, some vampire lore. I didn't realize you needed to get rid of the coffin. I feel like Dimitri just could have gotten a new coffin, gotten like, a freezer to sleep in. He didn't need that exact coffin. I feel like they made that up just for the movie.
0: There was a lot about vampires in this movie that, that I didn't know. I don't know if it's common knowledge, if it's made up for the movie, if if I'm just missing it, but there was a lot going on with vampire stuff. Like I know, I know the bare bones basics and, and there was way more than that in this movie. Oh
1: yeah. You know, we took a folklore class at Indiana and they did not cover vampires. I,
0: I feel like they let me down. I took two folklore classes <laughs> and, and I didn't know any of it. Uh
1: The last one I had is just, you know, if Dimitri's entire goal is to just bite Lynette, you know, get her in this trance. He has her alone in his car. He could just reach over, say, oh, I've got to reach for something and then bite her. Like, it seems like it's such a big song and dance for him to ultimately try to go in for the bite. There's been moments through this entire night that he's been alone with her that he has an opportunity to do this.
0: Well, I, I do want to push back on this one. I, I think they did kind of lay it out in the movie that if she... um falls for him of her own volition, I guess she becomes his minion. So it's kind of different than him just like kind of um, you know, sucking her blood and, and leaving her. So he was kind of trying to play the long game on that one, I think. Okay. But but once I mean it was a lot of work for him to to get her. And I feel like he would have given up sooner and just be like, all right, might as well just just get some blood, get out of here, go home, call it a night. But but yeah, he he definitely put a lot of work into that.
1: Minion? I thought you meant onion. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, we're not going to save that for best quotes? I mean, come on, Jordan. Did you have any other nitpicks? I mean, a really small one. That backstage pass was just like a regular ticket. I did not buy that at all. It should be like something laminated, goes around your neck. I think he got gypped. I think that was a regular ticket. Yeah. <laughs> And honestly,
1: I was disappointed we never got to hear from the Headless Horseman. They, you know, were so built up as this incredible band. I really wanted to hear some of their music.
0: I feel like they could have closed out the the movie with it. And, you know, maybe I guess they probably wouldn't still be playing at sunrise, but I don't know. They they could have done something there.
1: I agree. Uh, let's move on to best quote, and this is surprisingly a, a tough one for me. I feel like a lot of these movies just have really great one-liners. This wasn't really one of those. Um, I just, like you mentioned, I have Taylor saying, I'm not going to let Dimitri turn my mom into an onion. I do love that one. Um, this is a, just a weird one, but Tiffany, the babysitter, she just keeps saying the words, no way, no <laughs> way. She's on the phone. And she goes, no way. And then she says, totally, totally, totally. I feel like this is the exact like stereotype of a babysitter at that time.
0: And then Taylor beats her in sorry, and she goes, no <laughs> way. <laughs> yeah
1: uh what else i have uh when adam finally gets busted for pimping out chelsea he says you know that was a lousy thing to do you know and i when i did it things were different i was different and chelsea just says that was this afternoon like i really do love that scene it just really plays between the siblings
0: that was a good one
1: and uh the last one i had was just uh when van helsing gives taylor a sandwich when they're driving in the car and taylor just says "Mm, this is good your mom make it And, uh, you know, of course, just Taylor giving that kid's humor. Did you have any other for best quote?
0: Yeah, I thought it was funny early on in the movie. um, Adam is, um, is, I think, trying to defend himself from making up his speech in in his class. And he goes, I think you're missing the bigger picture here, Lynette. Excuse me? Since when do you call me Lynette? I'm just trying to dialogue here. You're 13 years old. You don't dialogue. (laughs) I thought that was a great kind of Adam's kind of too smart for his own good. Yeah. kind of thing and then uh, and uh, another one Adam had was uh, or Chelsea and Adam are talking and he, and she says you can't email some guy you've never met why not it's not like it's some creep in a chat room all these guys have come pre-checked with the newspaper <laughs> like was the newspaper checking people What does Adam just completely misunderstand how it works you just pay some money and you get something printed in a newspaper I don't think the newspaper was conducting background checks I really don't <laughs> no. <laughs> wow. Then, then Adam was was hoodwinked on that one.
1: Let's move on to some of these uh, unanswerable questions here. And I know we, we talked about my first one, which was, you know, did people actually post in the newspaper looking for a date and describing themselves? I guess they must have.
0: I, I think they did. I think it was a little before our time, I guess. I mean, we were, we were probably pretty young at the time, but, but personal ads. I mean, I, I think that's what people did before, uh, I guess, dating websites became a thing.
1: This is another vampire lore question. But do vampires have to be invited into the house? It seems like such a weird thing. I know I've seen it in a lot of vampire movies, but it just seems like they could do all this stuff but you actually can't get through the barrier of the door even when the door's wide open. You have to invite them in.
0: That's one of the one vampire lore that I had heard of. Um, they they have to be invited in. They can't see their own reflection. Uh I don't know. They don't like garlic. They they I don't know. in pain around garlic i don't know quite something with garlic and then you you kill them by um, stabbing them through with a stake through the heart yeah there were also other things with van helsing like did something to light his footprints on fire and he lit some weird compass uh on fire that showed him what direction the vampire was in you mentioned there was some weird mind control but it wasn't mind control it was just like Telekinetic powers. Yeah, um, I didn't know they had super strength. He like walked up the side of the building. Like I don't know, he was Spider Man or something. There were all tons of vampire things that I'd never heard of. I don't know if they're true or not. Maybe the movie made them up, but I guess as a kid you just go, oh, he's a vampire, and that answers all of that.
1: Yeah, watching what we do in the shadows, it really goes deep into the vampire lore, and it does show you know the vampires walking up the walls. They hate wooden crosses. We don't really see the stakes in the show. Uh, we mentioned like the silver bullets or the silver nails. That's a thing. You mentioned the the garlic. You know, turning into a bat. You know, pretty much not able to eat human food. They're only able to you know drink blood basically. That's the only way. Didn't he order something at dinner? Was he not eating it? Right, because at the grocery store we see him drop the groceries and turn into a bat. Presumably, you know, he's not eating any of that. He's not. I don't see a fridge in the house. So that's a good point. Honestly, that's a good nitpick. Was he just,
0: I'm, you know, leaving the food there? I'm pretty sure he had a plate of something when, when he was at dinner with his mom. And then wouldn't it have been weird if he just didn't eat it? I, that seems weird.
1: Yeah, yeah. We mentioned, you know, vampires are capable of doing hypnosis, but the telekinetic power is definitely something that I had not seen. Um, let's move on to, I guess we answered, what's rockabilly music, which is just a <laughs> genre that
0: I had not heard of before this. No, definitely not. Uh, But I guess maybe the moral of the story is maybe we just don't know a lot of a lot of things. Maybe there's a lot we don't know, Jordan.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I talked about, you know, why didn't Adam give Dimitri a tougher test than the spoon test? Was Van Helsing at the grocery store a coincidence? Was he just tracking Dimitri? Why was Van Helsing at the grocery store?
0: Yeah, I I think he was tracking Dimitri somehow. I mean, we didn't see it, but I think he was on the phone or something at the end of that scene. And he said, like, I'm so close. I know he's here. So, but it's just something we didn't see. The movie didn't let us know what was going on.
1: Is Dimitri actually Greek with a last name like Donatos? <laughs> like, it's funny. When we had Charles Shaughnessy on the podcast, he talked about wanting to make him Greek and Mediterranean. And he came up with this whole Greek accent. And the Disney executive shut it down fast. He's like, no, no, no. We're going to keep with the English accent that you're known for.
0: But he had an English accent with a Greek last name and said he's Romanian with a .ro email address. So I think the movie just had to pick one and stick with it. Instead, it's all over the place. It is really confusing. Uh, Did you have any more for unanswerable questions? (laughs) I mean, one was just, uh, this might be a small one, but so Adam and Chelsea hired a babysitter that obviously had some history with the family before. but. they had to pay for her and then they had to make sure that she never let the mom know that she's over that night it seems like a really flawed plan i don't know what was going on with all that oh yeah Um, and she's just there when taylor arrives home from the restaurant like she
1: just magically appears it's just uh a lot of the logistics behind the scene we did not see
0: yeah and then the other thing that I don't know if there's some sort of like vampire code out there that he lives by but this guy wants to either make this this woman his his slave or and or suck her blood some sort of violent act um you know some sort of vampire evilness but he has something against like harming kids like he spent a lot of time like just saying kids get out of here he could have i don't know used his telekinetic powers he could have (laughs) just thrown them to the side He could have locked them in a closet. I feel like there's so much he could have done as a vampire that he just was like sort of being a nice guy about it, but kind of being a jerk. It it was just, I don't know what was going on with with the vampire code maybe of ethics.
1: (laughs) You know, you're right. I think that's probably the biggest nitpick of the movie because I think in real life, if there was a vampire, the vampire would just destroy this family immediately. These kids would have no chance of defeating him.
0: I mean, I assume he has no problems sucking kids blood like why can't he just be like oh three kids breakfast lunch and dinner and then I got the mom as a minion seems like a good good night for him
1: yeah and you saw he was ready to bite Adam at the end and it just seems like where was this 20 minutes ago exactly Um, let's move on to some uh, half-assed internet research here we actually have some good facts for this one it was shot in Toronto Uh, after the film premiered in 2000 Disney Channel apparently received a bunch of complaints about a shot where Dimitri licks his lips while looking at the family dog, presumably because he was trying to maybe eat the dog, suck its blood, and the shot was removed from subsequent airing. So we did not see that when we watched it yesterday on Disney+. Plus. Would you have liked to see the scene in the movie?
0: I don't know if I would have liked to see it, but I know a lot of people have issues with, you know, violence towards animals, but I don't think it would have just him licking his lips would have turned me off from the movie. I would have been like, Oh my gosh, Disney, what are you doing? This is abhorrent. I can't believe you left that scene in, but I don't know. I guess it was a big deal in, in 2000. Yeah. It just seems weird. You know, this was
1: before Twitter, before social media, you know, it was like PETA reaching out to Disney. How would Disney know that there was such a, I guess, mass hysteria over showing this dog and kids were the ones watching it. I guess it's the parents that are watching it with their kids who raised the issue. But it just seems super weird. And it,
0: it wasn't even a scene of, of him killing Doing the anything. dog or hurting the dog or anything. He just licks his lips like, oh, I, I bet that dog tastes good or something. Like, and then that was it.
1: I agree. That's just a weird one. Uh, a fun fact, and I brought this up with Charles when he came on the podcast, but him and Caroline Ray were actually filming an episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch the same year as Mom's Got You with the Vampire, in which they also dated in that episode. So we do have a crossover there of both characters, uh, you know, dating in one movie and one TV show.
0: Oh wow! I, I, I did see that they were in a, an episode together. I didn't know it was it was in the same year.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, the next one I had is you know Dimitri and Lynette go to a restaurant called Renfield's, and Renfield is Dracula's crazy bug-eating sidekick from the 1897 horror novel Dracula just a fun little thing they put in there I did not recognize Renfield I never read that novel as a kid obviously but just a fun thing I found online
0: yeah I, I've never heard of Renfield I, <laughs> I didn't know he had a bug-eating sidekick I, I thought Dracula was, ran solo so did I you know I think
1: Igor is the only one like I know is a sidekick for like Frankenstein right but that's about it I don't know any other sidekicks
0: yeah, no, not not in just common popular knowledge. I guess I don't know that much about, you know, the, the universal monsters, but, um, but yeah, I, I thought that was a, a clever little thing, I guess, for the, the big Dracula heads out there.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny because I don't think any kids would have spotted it. I guess some adults maybe, but I guess they're just trying to wink at the audience a little bit there. Same with this next one. When Taylor is riding his bike to the restaurant to see Dimitri and his mom, he follows his mom and then he shoots right under, a movie theater and on the display it shows the lost boys It says halloween and then the lost boys from 1986 and the plot of that movie also features a mother of two dating a vampire so it's a little wink back saying you know these are two movies
0: pretty much with very similar plots again i don't think anyone watching this movie would pay that close attention i feel like this is just something the writers threw in they're obviously you know big dracula fans themselves And uh, sometimes, you know, as a writer, I feel like you just have to put in a little something to make yourself laugh, to make yourself go, oh, yeah, that's clever.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, I really don't think this was for the audience. I think you're absolutely right. It was more for the writers. This is the last one I have, and it's definitely my favorite. I'm spoiling a little bit of what me and Charles say on the podcast. But that scene at the Harvest Festival, you know, that great scene of Lynette and Dimitri at the festival You see them riding the ride called the scrambler which is the one that just really goes around really quickly and then they get off the ride and they're just having a quick dialogue and you see the ride in the background still going well apparently charles told me that the extras had to keep riding that ride thousands of times just for continuity purposes so there were extras literally throwing up and really like (laughs) nauseous and dizzy and the directors are screaming at them, get back on the ride get back on the ride and these extras were like refusing he said to re-watch it and see if I could spot any of the extras like throwing up. I wasn't able to, but I think that's got to be the best research of the film.
0: Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> insane and, and sounds incredibly abusive by yeah. the director and whoever's in charge telling them to, to get back on. That that is that is crazy. As someone who
1: has served as an extra in a TV show, I could personally say that, you know, it may sound cool to, you know, say you're in Mom's Guide with a Vampire, but definitely know what the role entails before going into it, because if it involves going in a, you know, a ride like that, that's going however miles per hour, again and again, having to get off and get back on, that sounds like my worst nightmare.
0: But think of the story that gives all those <laughs> extras. Now they can go on and say, hey, you know that Disney Channel original movie? I was in the back throwing up for <laughs> two hours.
1: And they'd be like, what movie? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, did you have any other
0: uh, half ass internet research? No, you mentioned all the ones <laughs> I was going to say.
1: Uh, let's move on to uh, Apex Mountain here. And let's start with the star of the film, Matt O'Leary, who plays Adam Hansen. This was actually his first acting role. And he started a lot of stuff, actually. He was in Spy Kids 2, Spy Kids 3D, Live Free or Die Hard with Bruce Willis. He was an episode of one of your favorite shows, Santa Clarita Diet i don't know if you spotted him when watching it uh he played pax in five episodes of agents of shield i think this guy is your actor and he was also in welcome to marwin which i don't think anybody saw the steve carell movie where they're all like uh half uh you know live action
0: half like
1: uh i don't even know claymation but uh you know which uh would you say is his apex
0: you got to for or you forgot to mention uh skyscraper the the Dwayne johnson movie that uh I don't know if it was a bomb or a hit, but but I didn't see it. But but that's that's pretty big. Yeah. Um I struggled with this one. I, I don't know. I've seen him in a couple things. I never recognized him before. Um I mean I know the I don't it's tough for me to say because cause I haven't seen some of these, but but I know the Spy Kids movies were really big at their time. Um I feel like he probably didn't have a big part in Live Free or Die Hard or Um or Skyscraper. Um I think it sight unseen, like I saw the Spy Kids movies, but I don't remember them. I think that might've been his biggest. I mean, he had a recurring role in both movies and those movies were huge for their time.
1: I completely agree. I would give it to the Spy Kids movies. Those films were so iconic. And while the first one was probably the most iconic, he wasn't in that one, but still I watched Spy Kids 2, Spy Kids 3D. They were still great childhood movies. And I think like a lot of child actors, he probably peaked at that age in terms of popularity. Let's move on to Laura Vandervoort we, of course, talked about many times because she was in Alley Cat Strike. And she was also in the show V. She was in 23 episodes of Smallville as Supergirl. She was in episode of Ballers, one of our favorite shows. Wink, wink, not our favorite at all. Uh, She was in (laughs) TED. I would probably give it to Smallville. I think that's where people still know her from.
0: I agree. I I was not a Smallville fan myself, um, but I obviously knew of the show. I mean, everyone was talking about it, um, you know, when it was on. Um, So
1: I would think that was her apex. Let's move on to Charles Shaughnessy, who we of course are gonna have on the podcast later this week, who plays Dimitri the Vampire. He's got really, you know, two choices here. You could say Mr. Sheffield from The Nanny did 145 episodes, a really iconic show with uh, Fran Drescher or 395 episodes of Days of Our Lives. You keep telling me I gotta, you know, show some love
0: for these soap operas. So there you go, Days of Our Lives. What do you think? I'm so glad you gave me a little bit of credit on this one. I've been trying to tell you for weeks now that soap operas are huge. Maybe not so much today. They have tailed off in their popularity, but even so today they're running five days a week, 52 weeks a year. They're still getting one to 2 million viewers per episode. And, um, and he was on days of our lives starting in 1984. When it was peak soap opera, they were getting upwards of six million viewers an episode. Wow. I think soap operas were huge. I know, um, you know, Kirsten Storm was was a a big soap opera person. You gave her no credit for those soap (laughs) operas as her apex. I'm glad you finally bring it up. Not that I'm a soap opera fan myself. I think it just deserves some respect because it gets so many viewers.
1: So are you going to go with Days of Our Lives? I think his role as Mr. Sheffield is probably the most iconic of his career.
0: Having said all that, (laughs) I think it was his role on The Nanny. Again, I did not watch The Nanny myself, but I definitely know of the show. I know it was huge. That is his apex, but I just don't want you to forget about the soap operas when you're considering (laughs) Apex Mountain.
1: It's funny, when I was looking at, you know, Days of Our Lives and his time on that show, I'm looking at his character name and it says, Shane Donovan, Drew Donovan. So I guess at some point they got bored of him and they're like, we got to make you twins. And then it says, Shame Donovan, S-H-A-M-E. I can only
0: speculate, what was Shame Donovan? You know, it says he's been on the show between 1984 and 2017. That's a long time to be coming up with stories. He did nearly 400 episodes. I guess they were triplets. (laughs) Uh, Shame was Shane's evil counterpart. And then yes. Drew was the bum who lived out of town. Maybe, I don't know, he wasn't doing anything, but, but yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> I do want to bring up, he had a
1: five-episode run on the show Mad Men, which we talk about on the podcast. Very small role, recurring, but it's definitely a show that I love and probably I can relate most to out of his filmography. Uh, let's move on to uh, Caroline Ray, who of course plays Lynette. And, you know, I think as a kid, I knew her from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I was a huge fan of that show. She plays one of the ants, one of the witches. She had 142 episodes. I think more younger kids of a generation would probably resonate more with Phineas and Ferb. You know, she did 124 episodes on an animated show, you know, as Linda Flynn. She was in Christmas with the Cranks. I'm going to give it to Sabrina. But, you know, I think there's, it's up for debate.
0: I, I don't even think it was up for debate. I think, um, I think it was Sabrina. I I didn't even have to look up her IMDb. I was just, I turned on the movie. I'm like, oh, she was in Sabrina. Um, So I think you're absolutely right. I mean, even for Phineas and Ferb, I mean, the kids aren't gonna know who she is. I don't know if you can really tell her voice who she is. I think Sabrina, you know, being live action, being a huge show back in its day, um, I think it's no contest.
1: I agree. I think uh, I was a huge fan of that show, actually. I really like Melissa Joan Hart. I was a huge fan of magic. So any show that kind of dealt with magic, I was going to be into. It was a really cool show. You had The Talking Cat Salem. I was all in. Uh, let's move on to Robert Carradine, who of course plays Van Helsing. He was the dad in Max Keeble's Big Move, one of my favorites actually. And I think most people know him as the dad from Lizzie McGuire. He did 65 episodes of that. He was in the Lizzie McGuire movie. And he's actually going to reprise that role in the Disney Plus or Hulu series that they're going to do. And he was also for fans of a young, older generation. He was Lewis in all the Revenge of the Nerds movies. I'm going to give it to Lizzie McGuire. I think that's where really people know him from. I don't know how familiar you are with his work, but what would you say it is?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I was uh, a Lizzie McGuire fan. You know, growing up, my sister was a big fan, so I was kind of you know watching it with her. Um, I, I do want to say for future generations beyond us, he does appear to be in pre-production. On a COVID 2021 movie. Wow. So so who knows what that'll be. But uh but yeah, I think Lizzie McGuire thus far in his career is uh is his apex.
1: I just wanted to bring up two more, but I'm not even gonna like we don't have to debate them. I just I think it's just fun facts for the audience. Duffy is played by Jake Epstein, who any fan of Degrassi would know as Craig. And Craig was the character who had a really abusive dad. It was he was best friends with um with Drake's character, actually, Jimmy. So I just think it's a little fun thing. He was also in Quince, another Disney Channel original movie. And he had a stint in Suits, which is a show that we both liked until it ran like 25 seasons. And the other one I want to mention is the bouncer at the club who goes to kick Dimitri out, who's labeled as the name Bone, even though I don't think they ever say his name. And Bone is played by Patrick Gallagher, who I knew I spotted him from somewhere. And he was in an episode of Entourage and he played Gil Turner when, I guess, Turtle's character is trying to sell that Avion tequila. And Gil is the, the owner of the, you know, the local, I guess, alcohol shop that is selling and making the debut of Avion. So I just kind of placed him there. I knew he was from Entourage. I didn't know from what. And uh, just a, two little fun things right there.
0: Oh, wow. I, I, I didn't recognize him at all. I, I'm not as, uh, as big an Entourage fan as you are. But, uh, but yeah, those are, those are interesting.
1: And the last one I had is just, you know, what was the apex of uh, vampire movies? And I don't know how many we've seen. I'm not that into vampires. But we have What We Do in the Shadows in 2014, the Taika Waititi movie. We have Twilight movies. We have Blade in 1998. uh, From Dusk Till Dawn, which is a Robert Rodriguez-directed film with George Clooney and Quentin Tarantino as actors. Uh, Nosferatu in 1922. Dracula in 1931. I don't know how many of these you've actually seen. I haven't seen these old ones. I think most people consider like Nosferatu to be like the premier, you know, vampire movie in 22. I know, I think FX is bringing it back for a TV show, actually. But I'm just curious, you know, which one of these would you say is the apex?
0: I think Nosferatu's actually been on FX for a couple seasons now. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know how big of an apex that could be uh, since you didn't even know it was on. But um, I think it's gotta be Twilight. I mean, I don't know Twilight. if this is another another one of our high school musical debates that I had <laughs> last time, but the movies, just let me read off these uh, these box office numbers to you. The first movie did 400 million, second movie did 710 million, third did 712 million, and the final movie did $830 million. I don't know how you can't say that's not the box office, or not the apex.
1: Do you have the box office for Nosferatu in 1922
0: in front of you? You know, I don't have it. Um, I can't imagine it was $830 million.
1: <laughs> I think for this generation, it's definitely Twilight. I think Nosferatu kind of just started the genre. And I think all of these movies are derivatives of Nosferatu in some way. I know people would say like Twilight's nothing like Nosferatu, but it really brought vampires into mainstream culture and portrayed them on the screen. So I guess this is a debate whether what Apex Mountain is ultimately, and we always get into these types of debates. But I I get why you're saying Twilight. There's no more you know movie that's been more popular than that.
0: I think, and and honestly, I think that's what the Apex is. I mean, that, <laughs> at the height of its popularity, no doubt Nosferatu started it all, but um, but it led up the mountain to the apex of Twilight. And I I don't know how you can even disagree with that. So eighty years later, it took to get to the apex. You're saying sometimes there's steep mountains. It's a long <laughs> way up, but but it finally got there.
1: Okay, let's move on here. Uh, let's talk about who won the movie. You know, uh, I think there's a few options here. I probably think it's between you know Charles Shaughnessy and Adam Hansen here. But what would you give it to as who won the movie?
0: Um. So so I looked at it more of um, uh, kind of tying the the person and the character. I think um, uh, Adam, you know, the, the main boy, uh, won the movie. It was his first acting performance. I thought he was actually really good. Um, his character obviously triumphed being the, the star of a Disney movie. And, uh, and I feel like he learned his lesson as a character. He uh, became closer with his family. I think it was an overall win for, for both the actor and the character combined.
1: I agree. I don't really have much to add. I think Adam was, was great. And you're right, he won the movie. They defeated Dimitri and he gave a great performance as an actor, so I'm going Adam Hansen here. Uh, where does this rank all time in the Disney Channel Original Movie Universe? I'm gonna reference an article that Vulture just published a few weeks ago on May 4th, a complete ranking of the Disney Channel Original Movies, and they had Moms Got Date with a Vampire ranked 43rd, just, just behind the 13th year, actually. And I think that's probably a fair ranking of 43rd. You know, it's probably not top 20. It's probably not one of the worst. I don't know how many of these you've seen, but I think it's probably middle of the pack. Uh,
0: I think 43rd is probably about right. Um, I mean, I definitely haven't seen as many of these as you have, but but I don't think it, it it's quality-wise top tier, um, but it wasn't horrible. I mean, there were definitely points of this movie where I just kind of was like, all right, is it almost over? <laughs> but, uh, but you know, it, it, it wasn't awful. So, so I think 43rd sounds about right.
1: There is something about these, I don't know, because I love Halloween. Even though I'm not a big person, I like to dress up. I just love that time of the year. It's like, you know, it's getting colder, not necessarily in LA now. But when I lived in New York, it was like the time the seasons are changing. Football's in, you know, full gear now. It's, uh, it's just a fun time and under wraps, Halloween town. Mom's got it with the vampire. I do love these Halloween classics. And I think it's always going to boost them up in the rankings, in my opinion. Uh, let's move on to, you know, could this movie be remade, you know, a sequel or prequel? What about, you know, a 2020 version of this movie where, you know, Dimitri makes like a Hinge account or a Tinder account and he's looking for women. Can we see this molded? Or maybe that's just what we do in the shadows now. I don't know. Um, You know, would you like to see anything else in The Moms Guide with the Vampire Universe? I
0: don't know. I feel like they could make a a Disney Plus show. Maybe maybe little Taylor grows up inspired by Van Helsing. He becomes a vampire hunter and Mm. it's kind of a, a vampire of the week situation where he's traveling around finding vampires to uh to either capture or, or overcome somehow I, I think that could be something would you see a dad's got a date with a vampire movie a female vampire that, that's interesting you don't see that very often i know twilight was was both male and female but but predominantly you know you think dracula you think um uh, all these male vampires i think that's an interesting twist
1: I'm glad I could bring that up. Uh, I usually ask my guests to end it. You know, did this movie live up to how you remember it as a kid? I'm curious. Are you going to go check out some of these other Halloween Disney Channel original movies now? I don't know if you got to see Under Wraps or Halloween Town recently, but is it going to kind of lead you down that alley?
0: You know, I, I I haven't seen Under Wraps. I haven't seen Halloween Town since you know I was a kid. Um, but I would definitely be down for for Halloween Town when when it rolls around in the uh, the relunchable schedule i feel like it's got to come up it, it was a classic and i'd be excited to dive back into that
1: you know we just did under wraps we're doing mom's got it with a vampire we're on a little uh, halloween kick right now i don't know we're going to get to halloween town eventually i don't know when that's going to be but jake i can't thank you enough for coming back on the relunchables podcast and breaking down mom's got it with a vampire with me
0: oh thanks for having me back jordan
1: i would like to thank my guest jake levin for coming on the podcast I really do appreciate him coming on. This wasn't his choice. He really indulged me by doing one that I really love from back in the day. And I only brought him on because I know he does a great job. So thank you, Jake, for doing me a favor on this one. And we are going to be doing a mailbag episode of The Relunchables. So please send your questions in to at the relunchables on Instagram or the relunchables at gmail.com. We are going to be covering anything that you could think of from Disney Channel original movies to childhood classics to anything related to the podcast. So please send your questions in. We will be doing a mailbag episode at some point. You could subscribe to the Relunchables podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast, And please leave us a rating or review. Five stars only. Later this week, we're going to be joined, I don't know how many times I could say it, by Charles Shaughnessy. So please stay tuned for that. Until next time.